Hello, I'm Caroline Carey. I'm a soul worker and soul doula. I have a deep understanding of the soul's journey from cradle to grave, and I've traveled between the veils of the spirit realms. I've studied the path it evokes, and I've come to understand why the majority of today's problems are rooted in the loss of spirituality. So my work, which is Middle Earth Medicine Ways, empowers people to find what is lost and to reclaim their own circle of strength by embodying their soul. And I do this by holding a space for healing and soul retrieval with shamanic skills, trance and conscious dance. I love creative writing and poetry. Please join me in listening to these wonderful teachers and soul workers, the facilitators and the guides of spiritual and shamanic work. They all have something very important to share and are a great gift to our communities. I've learned a lot from listening to them. I invite you to also. Hello, podcasters. Caroline here with my podcast, Soul Purpose. You've probably noticed if you've been listening to some of my podcasts that over the last few months, my focus has been largely on those with a shamanic practice, shamanic knowledge, spiritual um, understanding of life. And I guess I'm focusing on that because that's what's important for me. And that's what I'm uh, passionate about. And what's always been with me, actually, I've always had this connection to the shamanic world since I was very little and not understanding it as a child. Um, but, you know, it's just always been there. So I thought I wanted to gather up some of the voices of, of our culture and hear some of their stories and what moves them. So today I am in conversation with a lovely lady, Sue Holmes, and she which I've not really heard about before, and I'm really looking forward to knowing more about what that is. She's also written a book recently. Um, so we want to know more about the book and the process she's been on around that age. So here we go. Here's a conversation with Sue. Hope you'll join us. Please, please follow, like, share, whatever you can do to help this, this podcast. So it's really nice if people get leads back to my own website. That's really helpful. Sue Holmes, lovely to see you. It's been a long time. We haven't met for quite a few years, I think. Um, yeah, we was up in Kaimabon. We were. That's in Snowdonia. That's it, in North Wales. Love. Dancing, dancing oh. in that beautiful uh, retreat place. Yeah, good to see you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're most welcome. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you've got to share with us. So one of, one of the things that I'm always interested in is where these things originate. How did you come about this world that you are immersed in? Where did it begin? Well, um, I guess it begins with the wounds for me, you know, um, having certain wounds through wounding through my life was what prevented me from just, you know, having a normal job and doing normal things, if you like. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, the wounds took me off on a, a wild kind of ride 
uh, through all kinds of uh, tricky experiences, but also eventually led me to be like, I need, I need some healing for myself because this isn't going away. And I've talked about it round and round the houses, um, you know, um, talked it to death for, for, for God knows how many hours uh, with therapists and that wasn't helping. So then, um, <clears throat> and I tried to block it all out as well, escape from it, you know, drugs, alcohol, uh, that kind of thing. And it wasn't going anywhere. And it was particularly noticeable or, you know, the the effects of trauma in my relationships, that was the area where I was really, really conscious of, you know, getting my buttons pressed and, <clears throat> and a lot of um, PTSD symptoms, um, you know, panic attacks, phobias, uh, it was really, really strong. So I couldn't actually function properly in normal life, I could, I could do my best to cope and to act normal as much as possible. But actually, I was really, really struggling. And um, so I found my way to healing in the end. And um, Reiki was the uh, initiation into healing. And, um, and actually, I, I did some martial arts for a while that really helped me. Um, and then I came across, um, started to, to realize I wanted to find a career, a, a vocation, if I could, I was depressed. And I and I saw a course that was in feng shui and space clearing and land healing. And I thought, well, <clears throat> maybe this will lead to a vocation that I'll love. Or maybe it's just worth doing because it's about the only thing that's making me feel excited right now. And it kind of lit lit something up for me. So I followed that and then and I just loved it. And I thought, oh, my God, at last I found what I meant to be doing. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there was a, a moment of revelation at this a stone circle up in uh, Derbyshire. And I was just dowsing on my own with the stone circle. And I just felt like, okay, I've come, come home to my true vocation. I'm meant to be working with energy and natural magic and healing and all of that kind of stuff. And then there was somebody, uh, I saw, I heard somebody drumming uh, whilst we were doing a case study. Um, and I was kind of curious, what's he up to? And when he finished doing his drumming, um, <clears throat> Uh, he said to me, oh, this is shamanism, this is shamanic, or words like that. And it just kind of pulled me like a magnet. It was like something about that word, shamanism, just made me go, yes. And then, so I embarked on a shamanic training course where that same guy had uh, trained. And, um, and that was it. That just, it all just snowballed from there, learning about different healing techniques, um, and um, going on a path of healing for myself, but of course, in turn, I was learning how to hold space for others in that process. And um, <clears throat> so with shamanic healing and energy healing, broadly speaking, it's clearing away all that's not serving somebody, all that they could, they would benefit to let go of, or that's not truly them, as, as I see it, and then restoring back to them their true essence, their true power, and helping them to strengthen their energy body and get back on track in their life to remember who they truly are, why they're here, what they're meant to be doing. And it's just, you know, yeah, facilitating that in whichever way is guided and appropriate per, for each healing session. 
So that's kind of how it all came about. Yeah, and and what what stage of life were you at then when this all began? Um, you know, what? How old were you? Because that's often quite significant. I find is the age that we. Yeah. Well, when I first um, got into Reiki, that was in my uh, mid twenties. And then when I got into uh, feng shui and shamanism, that was um, 2004. So that was in my, um, yeah, my mid thirties. Yeah, it's quite a significant age, isn't it? It's a turning point somehow, often. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. Good thing. It's interesting. And and you you work with geomancy and I, I don't know anything about geomancy. But I'm intrigued. So tell me what that is. Well, just as the, you know, the human body has energy centers and meridians and can um, hold trauma um, and receives cosmic energies and, of course, energies coming up from the earth um, and running through the earth. So so does the land. So. And, and because I, I trained, you know, I've, I've sort of got two flagship services and uh, trainings that I offer. And so one of them is about healing for people and the other is about healing for places. So whether and it makes sense to me to, to approach it in a holistic manner. So if I'm working with the feng shui of the house, that's everything about how the house is arranged and relates to the landscape and relates energetically inside and everything yin and yang and five elements and balance. And then space clearing is um, well, space clearing and blessing, I like to call it, is about clearing away the energy of the uh, predecessors, the previous occupiers and all of the um patterns and uh traumas or stories of the past that are not helpful and then imprinting it with lots of blessings for the current people who are custodians of that place and then it makes sense to then feel to also feel into the land what's happened on that land what is going on in terms of the relationship between the humans and the spirits of place so there may be things that are going underground geographically, such as cavities in rocks or running water. Uh, there may have been things like quarries and mining and tree felling or witch burnings or um, land disputes, um, things like that that might have happened on the land or pollution or um, fracking or you know things like that the building of houses roads and railways where people come along and there's the tendency just to bring in the bulldozers and it's all about time and money rather than actually really responding to the spirit of the place so it's either land healing and geomancy it tends to be either where the the nature spirits are upset with the humans or the humans are freaked out by the by the nature spirits and what's going on there naturally Oh, I could do with some of that feng shui in my house. <laughs> I'm, I'm a real magpie. I collect things and it's so full of bits and bobs. I think you're coming over and sorting that out for me. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So coming back to the wounding, you, you, you wrote your story. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It includes a lot of that and it's in service for others. Hey, so, so tell me about that. What, what inspired you to write a book? Well, I, I actually had a, um, a reading with a, with a psychic medium in, in my 20s, and she, she very strongly said to me, you know, you need to write down your, 
your um, feelings and your experiences because you're going to write this in a book and that is your gift, you know. And then, um, so I did start writing a diary, but annoyingly, <clears throat> tiny writing and a lot of it was just about where I was and where I went rather than more of the, I don't know. There is some bits in there that have been useful, but it has, but for some time, because I kept thinking, well, what have I got to write about? You know, I've traveled, I've got insecurities. Why is that interesting? And people saying, yeah, but it's about your version of it. But I just couldn't see how it made sense until I got to the grand age of 49. And I remembered the core wounding, which explained all of the um, panic attacks and um, phobias, the PTSD, the OCD, uh, all of the issues that I'd had, everything just fell into place. And I was like, okay, I get it now. The fact that I was sexually abused, raped and tortured between the age of three and six. Um, so by my grandfather. So um, I then realized, okay, this is this is a story that really will help others as I track my uh, experiences, you know, how the, the how like messed up I used to be and also the, the different um, <clears throat> ways that that presented and led me off course and then how I found my how I healed myself and then if you know as people say if that helps one person then it was worth it but it's also been for me to actually to write it down has been a massive process and it's been you know a, a lot to process you know uh, as you know writing this kind of things down um and um it's incredibly vulnerable um and yeah because i you know i'm laying myself open to all kinds of um judgments and projections and and opinions you know but by sharing all the different things that i've i've been through and um and that's just i just have to be courageous enough to to put it out there you know and i and i've really felt that that this it you know it's been guide my guidance has come through that this is it's really important that i write it and i write it incredibly honestly and you know include this bit don't include that bit and this guidance has come through like as de in downloads and dreams and journeys so that i've been pushed well out of my comfort zone uh you know um in in sharing it and not even so much the bits where i've been the victim of abuse but but through the through the working through the shadow the shadow realms um and sh just sharing embarrassing cringy or shameful moments you know um but the idea is that we all have those we're all you know that is part of being human even though a lot of the time that doesn't get shared you know, there's some things that we can share and we get pushed on social media to share things that are going to help us to, you know, promote ourselves, our businesses and stuff like that. And it's that's just the way of the world as it is at the moment. But it's obviously refreshing and helpful when we do get the opportunity to share very candidly. And um, <clears throat> but not it's not I don't think it's a depressing read because there's also um, hopefully it's inspiring because there's also my experiences with different tribes that I've encountered and um, and also ultimately that I've shifted from being somebody who was really messed up and damaged and suicidal and you know messed up on alcohol and drugs and things to being somebody who 
is relatively peaceful, happy. Uh, I live in a nice uh, home and um, and I've got people who come to my courses who are really um, happy with the courses that I'm offering and they're finding it's helping them to go out into the world and to deeply heal themselves and go out into the world offering healings. So in my own little way, I know it's it's doing what I've come to do. Where are you living? I'm living at the moment, I'm living in Sintra in Portugal. So I got this, uh, I did a journey actually on where I was meant to be living during the lockdown and I was told um, Sintra and it was very clear. And um, here I am. So it's a beautiful mountain by the sea just outside Lisbon in Portugal with, um, it's a very magical and mystical place. It's a real portal and it's very close to a Kundalini Yoga ashram and amazing beaches and the wild Atlantic waves and mists and castles and stuff yeah. like that. So it's great. That's yeah. Yeah. And what's the book called? It's called um, Becoming a Healer for Yourself and Others. And I expect it's going to be out in a couple of months time. So um, end of July or beginning of August, I expect. Cool. Cool. And where can people find it? Well, if they look on my website, firehorse.uk.com, they'll find out everything about me. And um, so the book will be on there. Um, and it's also going to be on Amazon, at least for a while, to help get it out there. Sure, sure. Cool. So what's your aspiration for the future for your work that you're doing? Well, just uh, carry on with what I'm doing, really. So uh, <laughs> keep on offering courses, helping to train people to become healers, um, weaving together shamanic healing and energy healing, um, becoming space holders and healers, and also um, training people to be feng shui space clearing and geomancy consultants to transform and harmonize um, homes and business premises and, and pieces of land. And, you know, I offer one to one sessions for people who want to go work on a on that level with me either online or in person. And I'm really looking, you know, my prayer at the moment is is to co create community on the land. I want to be on the land growing some veggies and finding some good people to sing songs with and and sit around a campfire with. That's a really beautiful dream, isn't it? Because community is so vital in these, yeah. you know, in, in sh with the shamanic world, with, with with any healing work that we're doing, we need other people. Hey, That's so so important, and I think especially because we're going through such confusing times, we've got such conflicting information coming from so many different uh, sources, and you know, if you read one idea you'll find information that backs it up and then you hear another opinion and you'll find information that backs that up. And even looking at things like choosing what to eat as your diet, you know, I've got friends who've got very strong opinions and, and about all different kind of whole range of different ways of, of, of um, eating. And um, they all sound completely convincing when I'm <laughs> with any of them, you know, so um it's it can be yeah it can be a, a confusing time and, and and a time of of insecurity and you know we don't know uh we don't know what's around the corner so i think it's really helpful to have community and um 
yeah, I mean, I'm a single, I'm a single person and I don't have kids and I'm fairly estranged from my family as well. So for people like myself, uh, you know, community friends is everything that really is our family, sure. you know? So let's go back again, back to the very, very beginning of Sue Holmes, because I, I love this story of, you know, the, the meeting place that what I call this, or what is known as the sacred contract and the time before birth and the, 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 the contract that we come to earth with our souls calling. Can you, um, can you remember anything about your childhood where you might have said, this is what I want to be when I grow up that was quite innate within you? What did you love as a child? Uh, I love being in nature and I loved animals. I think, and I loved the wind. I remember the wind and the trees. I remember dancing with the wind and the trees. I remember getting told off at school for singing with the trees and dancing in the wind. And, um, you know, we had, uh, I grew up with Jack Russells and um, a black Labrador and chickens and Jersey cows. And um, <clears throat> so really, um, you know, being close to animals and I had a, a budgie, uh, Reggie, and, uh, I, you know, I just adored him and, and he used to just, we, we had a very special friendship, you know. And uh, so really, yeah, and I was fortunate to, to have um, a, couple, a pony and then a horse when I was a bit older as well. So getting up before school and going riding across, across the fields, uh, seeing the sunrise and the sunset and having picnics and riding in the river and things like that. So rather than it being knowing that I was good, what I was going to be when I grew up, up it was more just an absolute love of of nature and that that i think that was my saving grace having had that trauma at such a young age i was also fortunate to be to have that that loving relationship with with nature and, and animals it seems to be something that's quite innate with many of us that's that connection to nature and animals is i always mm. think about it for myself as that like my one of my needs is to have fur around me. Fur feather. You know, it it it's like there's a safety in it. Yes. Like animals are safe, you know. Yes. They tell us off. They don't give us a hard time unless they're a bit awkward and what have you. But I had an awkward pony once. It was a bit nippy. But, you know, they're there for to teach us lessons as well and how to how to be friends with animal. So, you know, there's a, there's when there is abuse in your life, I think animal becomes we become much closer to to them and and much more in need of their comfort in a way like as if they understand something about us about what we're going through so i don't know if you felt anything like that that they were safer than humans yes i i totally agree absolutely and i think that they are the witnesses they they i think they know what's going on even if the adults don't i think the i think that the animals know far more than people may credit them with so they're kind of space holders as well and they're just giving us that that you know immense immense love and and also um joy you know because uh there's there's great joy in the simple things of life like running after a stick or something you know so so there's there's incredible ease of being able to go out and just enjoy the moment when you're spending time with an animal and I love that you talk about singing with the wind. Did you do sing? I've heard you sing. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a, like an innate part of you from very early on, singing with the wind. And you did mm. your voice, yeah? So yeah. did that run all the way through your life? Through 
Well, I think I kind of, I mean, when I was young, apart from, uh, you know, singing in church or at school choir, it kind of drifted away a little bit and I lost my confidence with singing. And then it came back a little bit when I, um, yeah, when I went traveling in my late twenties, I went traveling and then I ended up busking in Taiwan of all places. And then, uh, until we got arrested by the police and told that we couldn't do it. So, uh, and then I worked in a karaoke bar for a while, which involved, I'd just broken my leg. And as soon as my, I could stagger around in high heels, I got a job as a hostess in a karaoke bar and, <laughs> and, and uh, loved, you know, kind of belting out songs on the karaoke. But, um, and then when I, when I came to be involved with going to lots of different uh, ceremonies, uh, especially uh, medicine ceremonies, I um, started to have songs come to me and then uh, and sometimes it would come when I was driving or when I was walking because I used to sometimes go go walking with done some quite long walks and walking along the beach and then with the waves there would come a rhythm a melody you know and then and then words would come through sometimes um, in dreams and sometimes through working with plant medicine as well, I'd have, or, or once I did, um, after doing a toad medicine, I had the, 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 the lyrics of a whole song just came in a complete download, just wrote it all down in one go. So, um, yeah, so they're quite kind of simple songs, I suppose. I think it's, I can hear my kind of inner child in there, in some ways, expressing herself. Um, but it felt it feels like a lot of fun to sing them and i was fortunate to have a couple of proper musicians help me with some piano and some uh you know harmonizing and, and things like that so that we actually recorded it as a cd called um heaven on earth oh beautiful great yeah wonderful yeah and presumably available on your website as well yeah it's also free on Bandcamp. oh cool nice nice offering hey mm -hmm. Great. So what are the roots of this shamanic work that you do? Um, <clears throat> the roots of the shamanic work. So um, do you mean in terms of the key things I offer or work with? Well, yeah, I, I, you talked about training. You talked about mm. somebody originally who, who put you on the path. And mm. I wondered if there was a culture or a particular teacher that you can um the, the where it began um yeah i mean i've i've traveled as i said and, and you know spent time with different um different tribes such as the you know the bushmen sand bushmen um the himba tribe the kalash people of pakistan um uh, shipibo in peru and uh baka uh Bwiti tradition in um africa and so each of those was incredibly special um, and kind of taught me different different things. You know, it was all uh, each one of those is I've shared about in the book and their different teachings within that. <clears throat> but I think that, you know, the actual soul retrieval uh, really came from when, you know, I studied shamanism or sh and shamanic healing uh, with Simon Buxton at the Sacred Trust. So from that, um, I learned the technique. And that's something that I've, you know, that's really stayed with me as being a really great method for 
finding those parts of our, ourselves that are lost and bringing them home. And the other method that I work with also is a regression technique. So it's um, actually guiding somebody into uh, kind of deep hypnosis regression where they go back to the roots of a certain um, trauma and then they themselves, you know, by prompting them with questions about what's needed for healing, they themselves will actually navigate their way through and find their own wisdom. So that's also, you know, so I'll always kind of tune in when I'm working with somebody is which is going to serve them the best. Is it going to be to do a regression session where they, they go back and they find nuggets of, of wisdom, which can be really empowering and beautiful for, for people? Or is it better if I do that and then I come back and I give them, I, I find the soul part and find out why the soul part left. Um, what are the uh, the gifts and talents that that soul part is bringing back? Are there any conditions um, for it to come back? So does that person need to make some kind of a vow, for instance, that they're going to make certain changes in their life to integrate that part of them back into their life? And then is there um, a guide that can come with them that can help them to integrate it? So that might be a power animal, it might be a, a certain goddess or ascended master or depending on where i found or an ancestor depending on where i found the soul part there's always some kind of very beautiful story which is actually part of the healing you know by by telling that beautiful story to somebody of, of where the soul part was and what that soul part really loves and why that's why they left and why you know now they're coming back what they need that person to do so that they can really integrate and then what's really important to get across is the fact that the, um, uh, you know, there's two sides to it when you do it that way. One uh, in particular, to be stressed, one is I'm just the taxi driver, if you like, bringing that soul part back. And then it's up to the person to really uh, integrate that part and honor that part of themselves, you know, be that their playfulness or their, their innocence or their integrity or their um, trust in the masculine or whatever it might be that they really find the most perfect way to really honor that part of themselves and back into their lives beautiful yeah that sounds great so so with all the um the visits and journeys you've taken to other lands and so you know to work with like you talk about the bushman that we've got quite a few crossovers with places that we've worked I've also been involved with the sacred trust and uh, but are there is there a story a particular story that you love telling the most about one of these journeys with a particular tribe or something like that um I think that um gosh perhaps the the Kalash is the one that um jumps into my head as you say that because um because I was young and I'd never been in I'd never seen anything like that before. You know, I was in my mid twenties and I'd gone off traveling around India on my own and um, uh, eventually teamed up with another woman in her twenties, Katie. And we went off and decided we we're gonna to go to Pakistan and go to visit the Kalash uh, against everybody's advice who said it was far too dangerous. But we ended up having an amazing time. And, and the thing that, you know, traveling through uh, you know, Pakistan, where a lot of the women uh, are in Purda, and then coming into this valley where the women, by surprise, and we were wearing, 
you know, we were kind of covered and wearing Punjabi uh, outfits so that we would fit in. And then when we came into this valley, uh, the women just burst out of the cornfields and come straight over to us like Shpada Baba, like hello sister. And they they just grabbed us and the kids drew all over us with felt pens and plaited our hair and said, oh, you like us. And, and, um, and they were so joyful and so inclusive. And they took us to, to their house and we, we lived in the, um, like a little room next door to Kazi and Sonia, who were the village chief and wife and all of their daughters. They took us under their wing and we lived next door to them for about six weeks. And we were there during their um, beautiful um, harvest festival. And so every night we went down and they did this amazing dancing under this beautiful great tree in the village where the women we'd all like link arms in in a, in a three and they gave us their outfits so we, we were totally shape-shifted into kalash women you know with these amazing headdresses and and colorful belts and stuff carry shells and we'd link arms in a three and we'd kind of go <laughs> around the edge of the circle and then we'd start spinning so we'd spin and we're singing and obviously I didn't know the words, but we could sing and just make and kind of follow the sounds and the sounds were just echoing all around the mountains in this Hindu Kush Valley, Bumbaret Valley, up near, it's only like a few hours walk to Afghanistan, right up high in the mountains there. And in the center, the men would, were drumming and there was this one man who wore this kind of sparkly uh, jacket and he uh, would start leaping about and telling stories and was very animated and bringing through like messages from the ancestors and um, and then the rest of the village were just kind of clapping and, and kind of cheering and stuff like that around the outside so it was really amazing to be so much a part of that and um, and they were just such joyful kind welcoming loving people i just you know loved them so much and they, they even offered us um why don't you just get married just so visa's no problem just come and live here and we'll give you some goats and a house <laughs> and they were just on the level you know and we we just hang out in in a way that was so kind of like sisterhood brotherhood we just hang out together you know helping them in the calf or whatever our friend who had a calf and things like that and kind of you know weaving with the women getting stoned with the blokes and and just like it was just so like such a beautiful family family experience and so like for me the the biggest experience of that was a pure joy and of of this strong community that was incredibly inclusive and and um fun you know we laughed a lot <laughs> Such a great story. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. So what is your message now for the human race or yeah, the human race? You know, what wow. is, <laughs> do you think? Um <clears throat> well I pray that we can all wake up that we find ways to wake up and to know that we're already free and to come together in communities, whoever we resonate with, come together in community and ensure that everybody's got 
a safe place to live, water to drink, a place called home, access to healing and reasons to celebrate. Beautiful. And what does it mean to wake up, to awaken? What is that? Well, I mean, uh, I think it's finding ways to uh, crack through our illusions and to become more present and our illusions of reality. So, you know, the sort of the teachers that I listen to say that we're already awakened to a certain degree, but we're just uh, shrouded in illusions. So uh, all the ways that we can heal ourselves and clear away any of the um, obstructions to clarity, to truth and um, you know, really being in the here and now and uh, working on ourselves really, because a lot of the time we are in our thoughts and our judgments and our projections. And it's really helpful to, to turn inwards, to do the inner work of, of healing our traumas, of, um, unraveling the ancestral curses that we may be carrying, all the patterns that have come down through our ancestors, clearing away our patterns, integrating the dark and the light shadows, um, reclaiming our true gifts, and just being, being able to just truly be, just to be alive, to be present, to be uh, awakened to the truth of existence which I'm not there yet, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I've had um, different uh, messages come through to me that that is actually the purpose of my life because I, I was seeing it as being um, that I'm here to help other people who've, you know, heal, which it is, that is part of it. But actually, ultimately, it's about waking up and um, helping others to wake up. So I'm still you know, work in progress of what that truly means till I get there. But I think it helps also to um, to listen to uh, transmissions from people who are uh, in that state of awakened consciousness. Though of course, there's going to be some kind of rogues, <laughs> rogues and, and ones that aren't, aren't actually um, authentic along the way. But um, I think that that helps having that trans transmission uh, can help. So yeah, that's something I like progress, to do. Yeah. We've all got things that we need to keep working on. Life would get very boring, wouldn't it, if we didn't? Uh... <laughs> I guess so. I think, I think, yeah, even people who are truly awakened, they still get their buttons. They still get triggered, apparently. They still get their buttons pressed, but they're just, there's a bit more of a pause between the way that they might react or respond to that rather than, than and, and being so in it. Yeah, and may, maybe we just learn to have different approaches to it and, and tools to use to, you know, move beyond it. We're still going to get activated by certain yeah and experiences, aren't we? But the learning is to ha how how we respond to that. And if we can respond with ability and uh, take responsibility for ourselves from a more sovereign place, I always feel, then, uh, yeah, then life can be very different for us. But um, we've all got that journey. And, yeah, and the more the more of our soul that's truly here, the more that's going to help us as well, because we're not so disassociated. The more of us here to actually be able to um, to live. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's been really great to talk to you, Sue. Is there anything else you'd like to add to your 
this conversation or anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we go? Um, I guess I'll just mention my um, uh, work, if I may, that's on offer. Please do. Absolutely. Thank you. So, um, yes, so there's uh, training in shamanic practitioner and energy healer that's actually starting this year on June the 17th, if anybody's interested in that. I'm also uh, on the 7th of June starting a shamanic journeying course for anybody who'd like to learn how to journey to meet their power animal spirit guides. And uh, yeah, my book is coming out in a couple of months and that's going to be um, yeah, becoming a healer for yourself and others. And that's not only got my account of my own story in there, but it's also a handbook for uh, budding healers. And it's also a guidebook for seekers, seekers on the path of, of healing and awakening. Um, that's great. And, and so anything that if people want to contact you, I'll, I'll put your details in, in the box below this video, um, this, this, sorry, this recording. Uh, so, you know, your websites and your email address and anything else. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I've got a group on Facebook called Transformation and Awakening Hub. Okay, great, great. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll put all that below and um, people can contact you via that. So, um, yeah. Great. Well, I wish your work much blossoming and fruitfulness over these coming years. And I think, you you know, it sounds like you have something very beautiful to share with community and, uh, and, and, and the world, you know, it's, it's, it's great what you're offering. So thank you so much for sharing this conversation with me, Sue, and um, look forward to hearing how it all goes. Thank you so much, Caroline. Thank you for inviting me and Love and blessings to you and Ben and all your family and all that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sue. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening right to the end. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And remember, you can be in touch with myself or this speaker. My website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links, their websites, and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.